As you may or may not know, this podcast, Dear Fopsy, exists to equip us to know better and love better. And one of my favorite ways of learning to know better is by reading. So this is the first of many Dear Fopsy Reads, where we look at a book that talks about love and relationships and some of the parts of it that not, we don't know enough about. And we go deep into it, learn what there is to learn. I share some of my learnings from it because I'm going to read them too. And I let you go and read it yourself because it's always whatever I'm reading is just my own learning from it. And when you read it as well, you're able to pick up your own stuff from it. So today's book is The Five Love Languages, a over 30-year-old book by Dr. Gary Chapman. I think of books like this as the eternal bag. Imagine writing a book over 30 years ago and it's still the number one bestseller. Like, that's just incredible. And in many ways, that means that many, many people have found the content of the book very useful and has been recommended over and over again. It's been tried and trusted. And we love principles. We love things that have been tested over time and are not just trends, you know. So without further ado, I want to share my seven learnings from this book um, and how to take it and apply it in your own love life. Let's get started. To start with, the five love languages are this concept that was developed by Dr. Gary Chapman. And the idea is that in a relationship, there are different ways that you and I receive love. Partners receive love in different ways. And it's not just romantic relationships. It can be applied to relationship with children, even with, with workers and whatever, but we're focusing today on romantic relationships. If you think of love languages as literal languages, if if you if I speak a language that you don't understand, I might be saying the most wonderful things about you. I might be doing the most, but because you don't understand it, we're not communicating. So the concept of love languages is to highlight some of the ways in which what we understand as love is different. And by helping you identify your partner's love languages and you identifying yours, you're able to better communicate and marriage is a better experience. For both of you so the five love languages are words of affirmation quality time physical touch receiving gifts and acts of service and each one of those um, are basically like they sound people that like words of affirmation are more likely to do well with compliments heartfelt compliments whether it's to them or about them um, they like to be affirmed with words quite literally so when you do something good don't just say don't just eat the food like say oh wow this food was excellent thank you so much for taking the time to prepare it and that really fills fills them up and quality time people like to spend time with each other whether that be with taking walks whether that be with just like giving undivided attention that's what it really is physical touch is very interesting and i feel like i should stop explaining these things and just go into what i wanted to talk about as i go into the lessons i learned from each of them you will kind of see you will hear about the love languages but i have already told you what the four the five of them are and um let's go through my seven lessons that i learned from them showing love by speaking your partner's love language is how you fill up their emotional tank and dr chapman shares this idea that each of us has in us a reservoir of love either you know from how we've grown up and things like that and when you show love in your partner's love language you're filling up that love tank you're building a sense of security of positive feelings all the warm and fuzzies and when you don't show love in a way that they understand you're kind of like withdrawing from the tank so when this love tank is full when you feel loved when you feel secure a lot of the other things that happen in marriage are easier to deal with it's almost like when you're feeling loved you're not feeling as defensive in responding to things that come up. Your interactions are more from a place of love. Like you really understand that this person loves you and all of that. So the whole point of 
showing love in a person's love language is showing affection for them in a way that they understand so that their love tank is filled up and so that they feel secure in the relationship you can build off of this secure ground to deal with other issues you know money um children um chores you're coming from a secure base essentially and i found it very interesting that when you are not feeling loved everything feels like a bigger deal i interpreted it as when you're not feeling loved you can erupt more because like you're just angry at things you know but when you're feeling loved you're more likely to say maybe that was just an off moment this person had like you're not operating from a deficit essentially so i really like the concept of the emotional love tank and how it's almost like an emotional climate regulator in your marriage like the more loved you are the more likely you are to treat things um arguments that come up with ease as opposed to you know being defensive and things like that so I found that very interesting. And here's one quote from him that I want to highlight in this section. When your spouse's love tank is full, he feels secure in your love. Uh, but when he's when it's empty, he feels used and not loved, which is interesting. All right. The second big thing I learned from this book is that the feeling of being in love is not the same as real love. And I've always kind of known this. You know that in the early stages of love and romance, all the feels are happening. Oh my God, the butterflies in the belly. I can't live without you. This is going to be amazing forever. All those feels. They're there, but they don't necessarily stay the same all through. And we know this, right? You know that the intensity of love in those beginning days is not the same way it stays all through. And this is where the phrase, the honeymoon phase is coined. That there's a season that lasts between six months and two years. Um, so an average of 1.5 years where people are madly in love and they can't sleep they can't think it's when they're it's it's what my people call the momo phase i guess um it's just like you're you can do anything and anything for them and there's a lot of giddiness this phase is real but it is powered by hormones it's powered by almost the same way animals see each other and there's like a mating call like your hormones are helping you feel all these feels but it's not accurate well let me see how to how to phrase that differently you can't expect to stay in this state forever and he shares that like if we were in this state forever our productivity as a society would be really bad because we'd literally be <laughs> staying in bed calling with each other we would be we'll be having a hard time focusing at school at work and all of that but anybody that has been in a long-term relationship for even two years will know that like the warm and fuzzies of the early days don't always stay that way. Now, it's not that love dies. Love does not die. It's that it morphs into the love that is a choice. Like you go from being warm and fuzzies and being compelled by your hormones to be into this person to choosing to nurture those feelings of love to gaining the discipline and emotional maturity to choose to do the things that you know build love and security in your partner you essentially compromise sometimes and choose to do things that are good for the relationship and not necessarily just instead of being selfish so like you go from being powered by hormones to being powered by your commitment to each other to being to building love that is um built on something bigger 
And a lot of people are like, oh, that sounds like, that sounds boring. And, you know, why do I want to go from the giddiness to having to choose to love this person? It's not that you no longer feel those woman forces for each other. It's that you don't rely on those as the foundation for the relationship. There are many times that you see each other and you're just like, wow, this is my husband. I married this incredibly handsome man. And there are times where you just like, you know, hate each other and you're really, you're really feeling each other. It doesn't disappear if you nurture it. But if you, if you expect your love to stay the warm and fuzzy, giddy way, to just come naturally without having to put the work to it, without having to do things that are in the interest of each other, in the interest of the relationship, then you are building your relationship on a faulty foundation. So the choice to expend energy in an effort to benefit the other person, knowing that if their life is enriched by your efforts, you too will find a sense of satisfaction, is that move to real love. And I found that really interesting. So that was the second point that feelings, the feelings of being in love is different from um, real love. All right. So now on to number three, this one I found very interesting. And it's kind of why I stopped doing the summary at the intro. Um, physical touch is not always about sex. Um, that, yeah, I found that very interesting because a lot of times you think of um, somebody says their love language is physical touch. Like, okay, how do you even express this when you're not married? if that's a top love, love language or is it all about sex all the time and sex is a big part of this and the desire to feel loved by connecting with each other um with your buddies but it's it's more than sex and foreplay it's also about expressing affirming touches both sexual and non-sexual that say i love you um I, I found this one interesting because simple things, I think, I think these were some examples like, you know, passing by each other in the kitchen and like grabbing each other's butt or like uh, just rubbing, rubbing, rubbing their arm when they're good, they're cooking, well done, giving them a back rub. All of those are just simple ways to touch each other and, you know, say, I love you. Walking with hands, hands held in the, in the mall, you know, doing things together and being near each other, honestly, are some ways that physical touch can say I love you that do not include sex. And I want to share some examples I had written down here. I'm actually also going to include a guide that you can download um, on how to express each of these five love languages and things you can do for your partner, depending on what their language of love is. And just um, get the download on my website, dearfopsy.com. Okay, so examples of how to express love to someone whose primary love language is physical touch. Hold their hands when you run errands together. Buy them tactile gifts like fluffy sheets and a cozy blankets, things that are like feely. Very interesting point, eh? Um, staying physically close when your loved one is going through a difficult time. This is so interesting because it's not just about inspiring those feelings of love, but it's also just showing that you genuinely care for them. And I think there was one example of somebody who her husband lost his mom or something like that. And she was trying to take the half day off work and her manager was like, oh, she can only take two hours off. Oh, she's fired and she's like my marriage is more important than than this job eventually they didn't fire her but like first of all employers can be so annoying like somebody's dealing with the loss of their 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 in-law and you're saying they should only go for two hours i get that capitalism must continue but there are times it's times like this you have to just like put your foot down and be like you know what it's not that serious because if you die today honestly they don't waste time to replace you and your work doesn't need you, your family does all right that was enough of a segue you can also book a massage or a pedicure Get your snuggles and your cuddles in. These are all ways that you can show love to somebody who is um, high on physical touch as their love language. And if you are in a long distance relationship, which is not ideal, to be honest, um, I like that if you're in a long distance relationship, you should have like a goal. 
maybe school is ending and then you come together or if after x years you're not able to come together one person moves something like that i think it helps that there should be an end date in sight if possible but i know that situations are not always ideal so power to you guys that are doing it um but if you're in a long distance relationship handwritten notes can be preferred to texts or emails because you can actually touch it you can smell it you can sniff it so yes um handwritten notes are a way to also express love to people that have a physical touch which is also interesting even when you're together in a relationship um some people might prefer that handwritten notes to um to um generic cards or to to text so do that once in a while maybe not every time so you don't kill all the trees but um once in a while okay the next one kind of feeds pretty closely to this one and it might be a shorter one it's that sometimes men may wrongly assume that their love language is physical touch and that might be it can come from a deficit of sex in the relationship or it can come from um just the biological need to have urge to have sex and he recommends you know probing further for other love languages that they might that might, they might be high on and just thinking that yes maybe the stereotype is that men want sex more but um it's not always the case that physical sex physical touch is their top top love language um words of affirmation might be they might also like to just be cheered on oh wow that was a good job you did um in the bedroom or in real life um bedroom is real life what do i mean i mean like in the bedroom or like around the house um or you know maybe they did something for the kids maybe they did they did something that was fixed something that was broken the stuff like that um but yeah i found it interesting that if men are feeling a deficit of sex they may erroneously select physical touch as their top love language okay and now back to this concept of real love being a choice that's number five real love is a choice and i'm actually reading another book that's going to be my next book review um i won't spoil it but actually why not love is a choice is the next book and it is an exciting book as well but i find it very interesting that maybe one of the reasons why people experience love disappearing after they've been in a relationship for a while is that they are wrongly informed you know that love should just be natural should just flow you shouldn't have to work for it even sex people struggle with the idea that sex can be on a schedule um but real love being a choice means that you have to move from being powered by your emotions to telling your emotions where to go essentially so you go from that obsessional state in love to understanding each other's needs and doing things for each other um real love requires discipline it requires effort and being deliberate you have to like make the choice to do things that benefit each other and it comes with a certain level of selflessness you know like it's not always about you it's about the, the good of the of the unit and it's not it's not as bland as it sounds because when you do things for each other you're essentially doing things for yourself especially in marriage where you're like one and it just gives you so much joy to see the other person happy like honestly i feel like it's a it's a way to to grow in love to realize that real love is a choice you can make the choice to do things that are good for each other you can learn what this person likes how they like to receive love and um, do it in that way one example he gives is um 
this woman who's been nagging her husband to paint the the house for for like weeks or months and he asked her does this man know that you want him to paint the house and she goes yes but he like spends his weekend doing everything except painting the house and she's been nagging 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 which you know that nagging is not helpful um but i don't blame when you've been telling someone to do something for a while so it can it can require a lot of self-control to stop nagging his advice to her was to figure out what he liked and like instead of nagging him to continue to paint the house every time he does something good to make a big deal out of it and essentially praise him oh thank you so much greg for taking out the the garbage it was so thoughtful of you to do that i really appreciate you wow greg thank you for washing the car it really is nice to have a polished shiny car to drive around in i just made greg up but like that was a similar story that came up in the book and um the idea that you can go from with with understanding that love is a choice and understanding that you can use I mean, we're not trying to be manipulative, but you can use people's love languages to relate to them in the way they want to be related to. And in so doing, uh, make things work for your marriage. So you can go from feeling like you don't have any power over staying in love to doing things that fuel love for each other. If you know your partner is into quality time, you don't book all the Saturdays in a month to be hanging with the guys or hanging with the girls. Or Like you, you can figure in ways to bring in strolls taking simple strolls together allows you to spend quality time together and talk to each other um and i think one of the big things i learned was that the quality time is not just spending time together it's spending undivided attention it's giving them your undivided attention in that time that you spend together so very interesting anyways that was number five on real love being a choice and the choice to do things that are in the good of the relationship the choice to um celebrate each other in the way that you want to be they want to be celebrated not just the way that you want to celebrate love one other very interesting point that i liked is that more than we realize the families we come from and our backgrounds shape us and dictate how we behave in relationships in many ways so don't discount what you grew up with and here is one phrase i just want to read from the book what we do for each other before marriage is no indication of what we'll do for each other after marriage before marriage, we are carried by the forces of the in-love obsession, which is what I talked about earlier. After marriage, we revert to being the people that we were before we fell in love. And you've probably seen this before. Like when you come off the emotional high, you're back to your baseline. And this is not necessarily a bad thing because, again, we talked about how you can continue to do the actions of love. It's not that like you fall out of love. It's that now you have to power it by will. Anyways, let me keep going. Our actions are influenced by the model of our parents. Basically, in many ways, we revert to doing what we've seen growing up. People say, oh, that's what my, my mom always did it. Does she have two heads? Why can't she do it? And it's because of how they grew up. So we have to be aware of our biases towards the way we grew up, even with polygamy and things like that. Like you need to be aware that your family has shaped you more than you imagine. If your parents had a very traditional marriage where the man provided, the woman sat at home, don't be surprised if your husband expects the same thing. Don't be surprised if your wife is more upset because she hasn't she has to work and the husband is not able to financially take care of the whole family i'm not saying it's right or wrong i'm just saying we have to be aware that like we're influenced by the model of our parents our own personality our perception of love which in many ways is shaped by what we've seen and the, ideolo the ideologies we have formed around love um, our emotion and our needs and our desires so we really can expect that our backgrounds are going to pop up in some days, I see my mom show up in me and it makes me appreciate the good things I learned, but also makes me aware that hmm, 
if there's anything you don't like about how you grew up, you have to start working on it. And how do you work on it? Identifying them is a start. Knowing that you are at a higher tendency of doing certain things, it, being aware is very important because then you're able to take actions to either prevent them or talk through them with your partners. One of my friends um, grew up in a family where his mom was like a traditional homemaker and, you know, father came home, food is ready, all of that good stuff. And even though he's like a modern guy, as you would, as they come, when they got married, they started to see that like, his wife was always like, we just, you just come back, you just sit down. Like, didn't we both go to work? Like, why aren't you doing anything? And just by them talking about it, they said, you know, sometimes I'm going to order food. That's what keeps the peace. Other times I'm going to get up and wash plates and I will tell my brain to be all right. I, we don't have to do things the way we saw our parents do it. We can make changes and um, build the light that we want. But you basically just have to be aware that things you've seen growing up are um, a part of who you are. And this gets even more important when you think about really bad things like abuse. If you were a victim of abuse or you saw your parents being abused, get go for counseling if you can. And then even so attack it in the, in the physical by taking steps to prevent it by going for therapy, but then attack it in the spiritual by beginning to break strongholds of anger in yourself, take anger management classes, classes, put, put measures in place that if an argument is getting too intense, I'm not going to assume that I have the bandwidth to stay here and have it. Let's call time out and visit it another day when we are calm headed. I would like to take a walk and just, you know, remove myself from the situation it is wisdom to know the background that you come from and what it has given you, the good or the bad, and then walk towards it. But then don't also use it as an excuse. Oh, this is how I grew up or this is how my family is. There's this horrible story I read on Dang. And I was actually, you guys, I am struggling between continuing to follow these pages so that I have really relevant examples to share or just like removing them so they stop they stop impacting how I'm thinking. But this guy, um, before he got married, he and his wife, he told his wife that he likes fresh food. Though. So there are these Nigerian men that decide that they like home-cooked food all the time. And they must, um, they can't be eating warmed food. <sighs> I don't know. Um, I get that some warmed food can taste somehow after it's stayed for too long. But for the most part, man, food is warm, it's fresh, it's eaten, food is prepared. One thing I appreciate that my husband actually does is like, he says, thank you for making the food available. So even when I order it, he says, thank you for making the food available. And I really appreciate it. But anyways, back to the story. So the guy said that he and his wife agreed that he he likes fresh food. And then they got married. His wife um, gets busier. Work is really busy. She gets promoted and things like that. And he starts cheating. Okay. I think part of his excuse was that she wasn't making warm food. But then, does that even make sense at all? That you're not making warm food, uh, they're not making fresh food. So you're beginning to, to cheat. And the person he was writing to was like, okay, did you think for any point, maybe we should hire a chef? Because the issue is food, right? And he goes, my mother, did, growing up, my mother did not, uh, we do not order a chef. We do not have a chef. We don't want people living in our house. I don't want a third party in this relationship. It just blew my mind because you don't want a third party in a relationship, but you are sleeping with a third party. So such such silliness and such 
I don't even know what to call it. I think silliness is the right word. Such, such silliness that you are, in some ways, sure, you, you want fresh food. But this guy said by himself that he knows he cannot cook to save his life. How can you say you want fresh food, but you cannot cook to save your life? And I want parents to also continue to help help their own children so that their families can be good. I have an audience that is actually 50 plus as well. Because my mom was asking me the other day, how can I watch this, your podcast? And like, I'm like, that's why I'm streaming to youtube as well now so people can actually watch on youtube so spotify apple podcast everywhere else podcast is but also on youtube so you can watch the video there if you have children don't spoil them to the extent where they cannot cook for themselves and like some of our parents suffering is being transferred over because these men think that that was that because their their mothers endured it that's the norm that you should be able to do it and i, I love men i'm not here for I'm not pulling down men or anything like that. I'm just saying that these are examples of people that had those really horrible ideas that they see, they saw from their parents and they just have refused to change their ways. And funny enough, the woman saw the article on the internet and knew that it was a husband and wrote back. So it was just for like airing their dirty laundry in the public. But she said that she knows her husband is cheating and like, so she has mentally checked out from the relationship. It's not somebody that loves you, that cares about you, that will be cooking for you. If you're already cheating for, they've been married for three years and he's been cheating two years out of the three years. Okay, please. Where's the incentive for you to cook? So all of these things are just, I said this whole conversation because I was saying our backgrounds influence us, but then you also have to, there's, 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 there's your family that trained you, but then as you grow up as an adult, you need to train yourself as well and decide what you're going to drop and what you're going to pick up and retrain yourself become a, become a better person this story makes no sense because you really could have hired help to be cooking the food it's in nigeria of all places a place where labor is really cheap is what i'm trying to say there um you can easily easily get people to cook you your traditional meal you can hire somebody that can tell them no salt or, or x amount of pepper or you can get them tailored you can be eating different kinds of things every day and instead you choose to be cheating. You will now, the thing is that you will now find out that somebody was like in the comments that it will even shock him that the food that he thinks is fresh with his girlfriend might be bought from somebody. So if I pray you will not be in situation, situations like this because you will marry people that really love you and are willing to work with you because that's what this is. If you really love your, your partner, it should not be hard for you to understand that them getting advanced at work is for the good of the family. And if truly... You want your wife to stay at home. I have I know people in this modern day who have told their wives that please, I want you to work from the house. Some people have had breaking stories of keeping their children with nannies and being abused. So husbands themselves being victims of rape or horror stories like that. And the only criteria always is that you as the man, if you're saying the wife should work at home, you have to be willing and able, capable financially of keeping the family sustained so that she's not suffering. Don't I tell you, I'm very educated, MBA. I work as Google. If they tell, if my husband tells me today that fuck, where containers has come, I don't want to, no more. You don't need to be waking up in the morning and aspiring to perspire at work again, my dear. No, I'm not going to argue too much at all. I already have things that will keep me occupied at home. Nobody wants to be suffering going out to do labor. I mean, there's the dignity of working and earning your own money and all of that jazz. But I'm saying that for the most part, people just want to chill. So if you're able to financially take care of the family, what is cooking? What is cooking really? <laughs> and like, let me just leave it because I have stories for days. I, I could go there, but actually before, let, before I leave it, when I finish work at five o'clock, I am mentally drained and I just want to sit down and scroll Instagram for like an hour. If you leave me or watch TV, do something that I don't have to think about. 
But knowing that my husband is driving from work and I have to, like, he's going to come back. He's going to be hungry because when you do that journey with him from Toronto, the amount of mental energy it takes to focus and not hit on some other person's car and just be like starting stopping in the traffic it's a lot of energy so when you come back you're tired your butt is like compressed from sitting down for two hours it just makes sense for there to be food for you to eat and knock out if you want to knock out so love compels me to drop my phone or drop my walk and leave them at five o'clock and say coming. let me go and cook for my husband because sometimes if you leave it to me, I can eat carrots and ice cream for dinner. I don't really, I'm not too picky like that. But like, I know he likes to eat good food. And it's not, I'm saying that when there is love, when you actually like each other, love will compel you to do things for the good of each other. So instead of cheating, too many ways you could have made this woman's life easier. Like, that's just the point of my story. Love will compel you to do things for each other. If you really love each other, if you have friendship and all of that good stuff. Let me pause there so I can actually finish this. The final point. Ah, God, I get so worked up when I hear stories like that. So I don't like to, to read them anymore. I literally unfollowed that page and then refollowed again because I was like, I like the stories sometimes. Um, the final point is when love is taken care of, you can build on that. So kind of what I was just saying, which just, it just ties in together. When you can speak love in the language that your partner receives them, so if you know that you're, you're, you're not really into touching, but your partner likes this touch thing, once in a while, as they're passing them, greet them, Leo, how are you doing? Rub the shoulder. You feel, you're feeling their love tank. When it's time to, when it's time to have conversations, you're able to go from a place of, this person feels loved, they feel seen, they feel taken care of. And we're talking about money, we're talking about, you know, chores, we're talking about cooking. You're not talking about it as a, Oh, this person is coming from a defensive angle. You're coming, you can actually have a conversation because, you know, they feel loved, they feel seen, they feel secure in the relationship and you're able to have conversations that are actually productive. The emotional climate is chill. It's not intense. So the whole point of love languages is to enable us to show love in the way that our partners want to receive them and to teach your partner to show love in the way that you want to receive them. So I'm sure you can visit the five love languages sites to do a quiz multiple quizzes on what your love language is and as you've even heard about them receiving gifts is one i haven't really talked about much because i don't i know i feel like a lot of us can say we have multiple love languages because at some point i want to receive gifts at some point i want to have physical touch at some point i want to have quality time yes and i think love should be a mix of all of them like you cannot say you've gone through a relationship for 30 years and you've not bought your wife gifts uh-uh. like and it doesn't have to be big gifts anyways Love should be a basket of all of these items, but there are some of them that are primary for you that kind of need to come more, more, more regularly. When you dress up, you know that you love it for your husband to like, wow, you look good. In fact, sometimes let me go parade myself in front, like, hi, comment about my outfit. And like, <laughs> like, I know, like, I love words of affirmation and everything, which is why I also love it when you guys send me um, comments about the podcast or anything about how it's, how it's going, how it's helped you, ways to improve. I feel like I feel seen in that way. So I want to wrap up by saying it is important to know your love language so that you can know how you receive love and you can teach your partner to love you in the way that you want to be loved. Uh, and it's important for you to know theirs as well so that you can do the same thing for them. Love is not, is not a war field. And if we feel loved, there's honestly so much we can do. We really can come into our full potential and um, the world would be a better place if all of us were being loved well and receiving love the way we want to be loved 
if you've enjoyed this podcast, I want you to rate it. So give me a rating right here, wherever you're listening. You can leave a comment as well on YouTube and let me know what went well. Give it a like and tell somebody about it. Share with somebody and just interact with it. Leave a comment, leave a review, share it. If you're listening on the podcast platform, share it to your story so more people can find out about it. I really want to say a big shout out to people who have done that in the past. Shout out to Life with Miss Yellow. Thank you, Fee. Thank you for Ether as well. I see you guys always sharing and I really appreciate you. So thank you. I'm your host, Fakwa Nkwacha, and this is Dear Fopsy, a love and relationship blog and podcast. Don't forget to check out the how the five love languages download, how to show love in different five love languages that I have on my website at dearfopsy.com. Um, I'll put a direct link to it in the show notes, so make sure to check it out. And it's been great talking to you today. Make sure you share this and like it and uh, let me know what you enjoyed about it. And don't forget to share it so more people can learn about these things and how to be better lovers themselves. Thank you very much for listening today. That's all I got for you. Bye.